0: Hi, everyone. This is our third reminder.
1: Third and final.
0: Third and final reminder that this episode was recorded back in December 2019 when we lived in a whole different world.
1: It was a fantasy world.
0: (laughs) This episode is about the film My Name is Khan starring Shahrukh Khan. But as we're recording this, we also got the horrible, sad news that Irfan Khan just passed away this morning. And we're... I don't know. I'm really sad about that.
1: Yeah, I mean like I we we've always talked about him as this like stable rock in Indian cinema for being kind of stably always reliable as a great actor. He's always the best thing about every movie he's in. I think pretty much without exception. Like he gives gravity to moments, like emotional gravity, but without ever being melodramatic, which is strange given that he comes from a Bollywood tradition. Like he just talks to you like like a like an elder. But not with this like old man wisdom, but just as like somebody who's like, like an older brother type. And that happens in films like The Life of Pi, The Namesake, which we discussed uh, in a previous season of Saturday School. And of course, The Lunchbox, uh, which I think many of us are looking back to now. Just sort of his like quiet, calm, romantic that we all kind of see ourselves in.
0: Yeah, there's also that film where he played like the distance runner. He was also in this film with Shah Rukh Khan. Billy Barber. I remember that was during the time when we were watching a bunch of Shah Rukh Khan films, and this movie was probably billed as a big Shah Rukh Khan film, but Shah Rukh Khan was barely in it. He produced it and stuff, but it was really about Irfan Khan's character. Um, But we weren't disappointed because we love Irfan Khan. Yeah, We're truly sad about this news, and I guess this is just one of the many sad realities that are going on that you will not hear in our otherwise very joyful episode. <laughs> but um, how, how are you doing? It's been about a week and a half since we checked in.
1: Anything new? Well, um, everyone's trying to figure out how to do programming virtually, especially... For a lot of folks who are working in Asian American community and entertainment and arts, May is important. It's Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. Um, And I know a lot of film festivals that were supposed to happen around this time. They're all trying to figure out how to to do programming online. So we at uh, the San Diego Asian Film Festival, we decided instead of like building our own film festival from scratch online, why don't we just draw our audiences to Asian American films that are actually available on things like Netflix and Amazon Prime and iTunes? Kind of like what we do here at Saturday School. So we're calling it May Madness, also in reference to the fact that we lost March Madness this year for for basketball fans. Um, But there is still nail-biting drama of the cinematic sorts. Also a celebration of PBS's series Asian Americans that's coming out in May. Uh, which is about the history of Asian America, centuries worth of history told in five episodes. I mean, if you watch it, and I've seen all five hours, like you can only say so much when you're covering that much ground. But the films, if you watch films about Asian American history, you realize there's actually so many different kinds of ways to tell history. We curated 31 films, 31 features, like one per day you could watch, going across the decades. In fact, we've also included The Namesake, which is the Mira Nair film that stars Irfan Khan. So if you haven't seen it yet, now is another great opportunity, too. We have posted all these links online. We're also going to organize some Q&As. Justin Chan is going to come on and do a virtual Q&A with us, and we're still confirming other folks. Awesome. So kind of in the same spirit of Saturday School, drawing attention to kind of films from the Asian-American film past. We can access the playlist, as we're calling it, on our website, so packarts.org, and then the entire URL is packarts.org slash May Madness.
0: It's much more exciting to me than March Madness. <laughs> actually um did you see justin chang is doing this like summer movie madness thing on twitter oh no for la times i guess they just made a list of like all these summer movies over the decades and then we're gonna like see which one makes it to the end
1: ah that's that's pretty smart i like that
0: so i guess that's my like la times plug even though it's not
1: my thing (laughs) (laughs) uh
0: so for us um it's been a little bit rough i still have my job but There were a bunch of layoffs in the community papers of LA Times. And I think this is pretty consistent, like layoffs and furloughs across journalism, especially print journalism as like advertising is basically non-existent. So this is my little plug for like, if you read your local paper or if you really love a website, support it right now. That's not just journalism, but yes, like nonprofits like you guys, the PAC Arts Movement, you know, your local film festival or... So like along with like, you know, supporting restaurants with takeout. I feel like I see a lot of people complaining that they have to pay for journalism at this time. (laughs) And I mean, I get it because we're so used to getting everything for free. But honestly, it's like to get the LA Times right now, it's like a dollar a month or something like that. Think about how little that is to get like real journalism and not have to rely on like fake links that your mom sent you on WeChat like if you just gave your mom a subscription to
1: I I think that's a really good funny idea. That now more than ever we need to subscribe our parents to real news. <laughs> All right, well that takes us to this week which is the last episode of our season on films made in Asia about the Asian American experience. As you're going to hear, um I've been wanting to do this episode for a while, (laughs) because it's um, about a film that's near and dear to us and a movie star that's near and dear to us, but it's also about our own story. So some of you might know that Ada and I used to be the editors of a publication called Asia Pacific Arts. It was based at the campus of UCLA, and um, it's where we sort of learned about all these films that we were talking about here on Saturday School. It's where we really got to take the plunge into Asian-American cinema, but also a lot of films that are coming from Asia. We had the opportunity to interview filmmakers and also to build a community of writers and interns, um, some of whom have remained really great friends through the years. Um, Some of them who are academics now, critics, journalists. And so this was also a great opportunity for us to revisit a certain episode in our lives as journalists. And um, as we've been saying with the LA times, like good journalism is in short supply. And for us, like this was a time in which I think we're proud of the journalism that we made. This is also our sort of love letter to Asian American journalism and um, Asian American entertainment journalism too. This is a time in which we were treating Asian, Asian American entertainers and artists as if we were covering george clooney or something and you'll probably get a sense of that enthusiasm from our conversation today we're going to bring on two of our writers from our asia pacific arts days Uh, one is wing hei who um, wrote some of our favorite pieces back in the day including an article that i believe included a poem dedicated to john cho
0: john cho's hips to be exact it wasn't just a poem it was a sonnet
1: Well, of course it was it has to be a shapely poem to fit the shapely hips it was
0: um inspired by us covering the harold and kumar to press (laughs) junket i'm of course right i I thought that was the guantanamo bay one (laughs) so
1: (laughs) So it was it's great to have wing hey back um and then the other guest is rowena aquino who at the time was my classmate in graduate school at ucla she's she, she and i were film studies students um, and now she is a critic, a researcher. She, she teaches film at Cal State Long Beach.
0: So we hope you enjoy as much as we enjoyed recording. <laughs> Holy Potluck. 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 I'm Brian Hu. I'm Ada Singh.
1: And welcome to Saturday School.
0: When your friends are watching Saturday Morning Cartoons, You're being forced to learn Asian-American pop culture history. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Saturday School. This is the last episode of our sixth season. And this season, we're talking about Asian films about Asian America. This episode is bringing us full circle back to episode one, if you guys have been listening, because episode one, we had our friend Anjali Shah on to talk about Kal Honaho, a Shah Rukh Khan film. Today, we're going to be talking about the 2010 film, My Name is Khan, also starring Shah Rukh Khan. Directed by Karan Johar, Kal Honaho was written by him. so
1: It's full circle in so many ways. I mean, one is Shah Rukh Khan brings things back full circle, as he does always. <laughs> for me it was like it also kind of like a decade long bollywood love story <laughs> but like like that early like that first decade of the 2000s um, with Kahunaho being a launch point for for myself like one of the first bollywood movies that i saw and my name is khan being kind of a different combination there's also a big decade of nri stories so these are stories produced by bollywood studios about what they call non-resident indians and they're often indians living in say the uk in the united states all over the world so my name is Khan is kind of a new example of the nri film in the sense that it was one that wasn't just about indians frolicking falling in love missing their moms overseas it was really trying to engage with the politics of that local community and the local like the host nation and in this case it's post 9 11 the united states where Islamophobia and sort of fear of the terrorist is in the air. And somehow, this being a Bollywood film, being a Shah Rukh Khan Kajal love story, it's also about a guy with Asperger's, played by Shah Rukh Khan, who moves to the United States after his mother passes away and falls in love with a woman played by Kajal. <laughs> The
2: Western world marks history simply by B.C. and A.D. I mark it by the moment I first saw you. After a lifetime of being different, I finally had my happy life. But the day that changed everything changed the way the world saw us and it changed the way you looked at me
0: and to talk about the film we have two very special guests wing hey Kwok and rowena okina who teaches at cal state long beach but we all met at the asian american magazine asia pacific arts that was based at ucla Brian and I at some point became co-editors, and wing Hei and Rowena were our entertainment journalists. (laughs) So we all go back a long time, and there's a very special reason that we
1: asked them to be guests on the show. We say we're going to talk about My Name is Khan today, but it's really about an incident that happened surrounding this film that involves all of us. So before we get into that, first of all, let's just set out, none of us are Indian-Americans, I think we're all sort of Asian-Americans. We, we lives in Canada now. Um, and yet we all have this love for Bollywood and of Shah Rukh Khan. So can we just all talk about where that came from?
3: Well, actually, um, I, I got the Shah Rukh Khan fever from you guys uh, talking about <laughs> Om Shanti Om repeatedly <laughs> and how I need to see it. I actually have no memory of the first time I saw it. Maybe I was just so overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> That's when uh, my Shah Rukh Khan fandom began. And eventually, I actually began my own cinephile journey of Shah Rukh Khan movies from early to mid-90s. And realized the kind of really interesting cinematic journey that he represents, uh, both in India and um, internationally.
1: What was it about him that would capture your imagination, so? Oh,
3: wow. Um, I don't know. Just... Shah Rukh Khan, as, as a person, as a physical presence, he has a kind of hybrid combination to him in that he can do slapstick, silent film era, comedian-level slapstick, and then he blends it with drama, pastiche, and comedy. And then it all ends up feeling endearing yeah. Uh, yeah. and never really corny uh, because there's such a sincerity to his work.
4: For me, it's also about Om Om. That film was kind of my gateway... Bollywood film. I remember the first time I saw it, it was kind of life changing because it's just so much going on. It is a very simple storyline, it has very clear good guy and bad guy. It has amazing scenes like dancing and like these opulent sets and this dreamy. And it's like has everything. It has action, it has romance, it has pretty things, it has beautiful girl, it has shang Khan, everything that I needed that I didn't know I needed. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then after that I start watching a lot of Bollywood movies. Like sometimes I will watch with you guys and sometimes I drive myself forty five minutes after work, go to an Indian theater buy myself some samosas and then I watch a movie and that is, like the best day and my life was never the same
0: <laughs> for me I think my first film was DDLJ but I think it was Om Shanti Om that actually catapulted the obsession though but I think it's funny because I think it sort of also speaks to when we all discovered it because we were all adults right we didn't come from family cultures that watched Bollywood movies. And I think a lot about Om Shanti Om because I think it's legitimately probably like my favorite film of all time. But at the same time, (laughs) when I think about other people and their favorite Shah Rukh Khan films, I don't think they necessarily love it as much as (laughs) we did. Just because there's so many other great Shah Rukh Khan films. Brian and I used to host (laughs) these, what do we call them? Underground screenings at UCLA where basically we would take the Blu-ray and we would go into a lecture hall to project the movie on like the big screen. I think you're supposed to reserve the room or something, but we just did it. And then if somebody came in and was like, hey, you're not supposed to be in there, we'd be like, oh, sorry, it was a total misunderstanding.
1: (laughs) Often like the custodians would come in and then they're like ready to kick us out. But then they're like, oh, wait, you're watching a subtitled movie. This can't be for fun. Like this must be a class or something. And they would just let us keep watching.
0: yeah and there would actually be times where i don't know if at a certain time the electricity goes out or something like in the middle of like the biggest dance number it would just like go out as if like sharu khan exploded (laughs) the projector (laughs) and then we have to move whoever who like the crowd that was with us into another room
1: It's almost like creating our own intermission. Now that I've had more experience teaching, I've realized that what's happening is these projectors I think are auto shut off after like two hours, <laughs> oh. and these movies are all three hours. But we just convinced ourselves that Shahrukh Khan's energies were his really abs. Projectors,
0: <laughs> yeah. And, then and it we- began with oh. S four, right?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: But then we had some quote-unquote power as editors of this publication. So we would, like, put it on the agenda every single quarter. And we would invite everyone.
1: Like, all of the interns, all the writers. Like,
0: every quarter. The audiences uh, got bigger. And then even, like, if my friends were here from out of town, would be like, hey, come watch this movie. Just come to UCLA. We're going to go into a lecture hall. Maybe someone will kick us out. Was silly We did this I mean we did this With other people Like we did like A Takeshi Kaneshiro series too
1: But it, it would never I mean it was The Shirokan series Was the premiere <laughs> The one that we Version of this.
0: Made people go to <laughs> We didn't make people We, But I think we would Say stuff like I mean it's your loss If you don't go <laughs>
4: This is something
0: you didn't know you We mean.
1: totally are talking about this like some kind of drug.
0: But I think that does have something to do with the fact that we didn't grow up with these movies. So I think when we've discovered, it's sort of like, oh, my God. Like, what is this entire world that our Indian-American friends like Anjali are not telling us about? It feels like a secret, even though obviously it's not <laughs> because he's like the biggest star in the world. But in America, it kind of is. Like, people are very confused by Bollywood. They're like, what do you mean it's like three hours long? Like, what do you mean there's singing and dancing in it?
4: Yeah, but at know. the same time, it's really strange because I was slightly ashamed to tell my Indian American friends about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you have generally like, so if we talk to people who are not Indian American, like, it's like this passion that I have that is very unique. But then if you talk to an Indian American person and they would be like, oh, you're so lame.
1: <laughs> and it's also, well, because it probably also seems a little bit like a fetish, like a cultural fetish. Yeah, yeah
4: fetish. and it seems strange. And then they're like, oh, only my mom watched these things. And then like I can never tell them openly. <laughs> Second generation Indian
0: Americans, it's kind of hit or miss because they might love it, they might hate it. But you could totally impress all the parents just by like saying Shah Rukh Karnan. And- Amitabacha, <laughs> you know, like, it's like the bar for impressing people is so low. <laughs> All
1: right, so this is actually a good transition. So Shanti Om Shantium was 2007, and we started doing these underground series, probably like when the DVD came out, like in 2008. In 2009, I believe it is an email you got from one of your Indian-American friends who knew you liked Shah Rukh Khan that sparked the event that we're here to talk about today.
4: Honestly, I don't really remember that much of the email, but there's only two people that could possibly... Tell me about this. So there was this girl from the yearbook. Her name is Amit. And I think she told me about this thing, that Shao Kahn is going to be on campus to film My Is Khan. And then I think I told you guys.
1: Were we all in Palm Springs at this time?
0: Yeah, we were all at the Palm Springs International Film Festival. This must
1: have been in early January of 2009
0: then. It was so fun. We had such a good time at Age Pacific Arts because we would like have these... like quote unquote internships that were really like we were young enough that we were like basically the same age as all of our interns (laughs) so it was like not really like a hierarchical thing it was like hey let's go to palm springs and spend a whole weekend there and we can watch movies (laughs) so yeah we were all there for like probably like a weekend or a few days in palm springs because i remember we were getting yogurt because we were about to drive back i remember
1: the yogurt too (laughs) yes and then wait rowena you got a relative with a timeshare in palm springs that's why. That's how we were there. Yes. Oh,
0: yes. Yeah, because we didn't have money.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> but I do remember that, did we find out about the news of SRK being at UCLA at the yogurt place? My I distinct memory sure is that you, we were but... all in the car, and we all started freaking out in the car, and we just wanted to gun yeah. it back to Westwood. And <laughs> we were actually going to go home, so the timing was perfect. Yeah, um, that sounds right. But we, yeah, we went back to campus. By the time we reached campus, it was, I think late afternoon, and SRK had already been there and gone.
1: Oh, that's right. I
0: think we saw a crowd in a distance, and we heard a lot of screaming. And, like, we just assumed he had left, and it was, like, a car driving away or something. So we had just missed him.
1: Because I think a big part of it is we didn't feel like we belonged there, and we were just snooping around. We would have been totally happy just being on campus at the same yeah, time Yeah, just, as like, him. seeing him. And yeah. we were just, from a distance, seeing commotion that equals Shower Like, that was perfectly fine for us.
0: The reason he was there was because he was shooting My Name is Khan, and they were shooting some scenes in LA, and there were sort of these rumors that he was going to be at UCLA, which is where we all worked or went to school at the time.
1: As they say in Om Om, the universe was conspiring for this <laughs> moment to happen.
0: And it was like the weekend, so yeah. it wasn't that busy.
1: Yeah, so we were there, and then we were all sort of sad that we didn't get to see him, but no one actually thought that we'd be able to see him. And so...
0: Somebody somebody that day told us that he was coming back tomorrow.
1: At like 7 a.m. or something.
0: Yeah, it was something a little bit insane, like where we had to look at each other and like, do we want to get up at 6 in the morning and come back to UCLA? And then we were like, oh, I guess this is what we're doing tomorrow.
1: <laughs> because there's no guarantee we're going to see him. It could just be the exact same as that day where we just see a crowd.
0: Yeah, but we just wanted like a glimpse. Because I think at UCLA, you're not unfamiliar with seeing films being shot there. I remember like old school seeing like, Will Ferrell and Luke Wilson shooting that. So it's like, it's not, we're not completely unfamiliar. But there's something about, like, a star from Asia coming here that makes it even more, I think, like, (laughs) mind-blowing. Because they're not supposed, they're not here most of the
1: time, you know. Well, it's not just the, it's a star from Asia. It's the biggest star in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that nobody in LA knows.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we could actually get there. Like, we don't have to fight everybody in Los Angeles to get on campus. Because we already... We you know we have parking on campus <laughs> we know the campus this is our like work home you know
1: we're just gonna go to work. All right, so let's talk about that that morning then.
4: Well it was really early and I remember distinctly making a decision that I am gonna skip all my classes. <laughs> and then I made a decision and'm like, you know this is gonna be very important and then I joined you guys and I think we were waiting outside at seven.
0: Yeah, we were in a crowd of people, but it was mostly Indian people (laughs) and us, Uh, which ended up being very helpful for us in terms of being racially profiled. (laughs)
3: Because
0: I
1: think we were just snooping around.
3: Yeah, I just remember a lot of walking around and trying to see what other people were talking about and and trying to see whether or not Charu Khan was going to be there.
0: I mean, we were using our journalistic skills.
3: Cause like you see
4: like the all people that are already there when we arrive. Yeah, yeah. We're feeling like oh, they probably like got online early, or they probably like have to sign up somewhere, and we just kind of like standing and be happy to like watch from afar.
0: Yeah. So for people who know the UCLA campus, they were filming in the courtyard right outside Powell Library. So it's a very open space, but it was blocked off. It's sort of like one of those things where we, you might think like, oh, should we go up to the library, you know, on one of the top floors and look down? You know, that's, I think that's all we were hoping for, just like a glimpse from far away. Right. But then what happened? Uh,
1: I so <laughs> so this, is what I, this is what I remember. The four of us got close to like where the barrier was. And then somebody who was working the event came to us and said, are you one of the extras?
0: I remember her saying, you guys were here yesterday, right? Yes. Yes. And then we kind of all like froze because we were like, I think we wouldn't want to lie because I guess, why wouldn't we have lied? But we were all like good, honest people. We didn't want to lie, so we didn't really say anything. But then she was like, yeah, yeah, I remember you guys were here yesterday, so come on back. I don't think any of us put it together that quickly on the spot, but looking back, it was totally because they needed extras for a scene that resembled America. So they couldn't let all of the South Asian people
4: in. She told us that's the reason why. Oh, she did? She told us that? Oh, I don't remember that. She grabs us and starts walking away. And when she start walking away, she was like, well, yeah, I'm just going to grab you guys because I, I'm filming a movie in the U.S. Like They can't all be Indian. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, I have a distinct memory of that as well. That we were non-South Asian basically clinched our opportunity to be a part as extras.
1: It's too good. It's racial profiling, working to our advantages. Okay, and, and then what? What do you remember next?
0: I remember we were in the back because we were still kind of nervous. We were still in the very back. And I remember um, Rowena was holding a Shah Rukh Khan poster. <laughs> <right> <laughs>
3: yes, I, I just doing? remember a lot of waiting, and I took a photo of you guys, and I was no, shut way, down. No way, really? I actually have photos. I have visual evidence. What? Including a photo of Karan Johar like walking about Okay, excellent. So I remember we were in the back. I,
0: I don't think you brought the poster. I think one of us brought the poster, but for some reason you ended up holding it and it was like rolled up in your hand. I don't know what we thought. We were just like, I guess if he's there we should bring a poster.
1: So I, I remember the reason we were in the back was because when we got in, they realized we weren't part of the extras union. Oh. In LA, if like a foreign production comes in, they're hiring professional extras. Yeah. And then they realized we weren't, so we weren't allowed to be in the front. Basically, our faces couldn't be in the screen. So that's how we were all the way at the library side. I think there's some steps leading up to library. I think we're on the steps so we can get a better view. And then somehow we got emboldened
0: well, we should, okay, before we say that, we should say they're filming a scene with a crowd, and it's supposed to be a crowd that's here to see President Bush
1: Jr. post 9-11. <laughs>
0: and the scene is that it's like a rally for President Bush, and Shah Rukh Khan's character is trying to get a message to him, so he's someone in the crowd.
2: Why are you going to Washington, D.C.? I have something to say to the President of the United States. My name is Khan. And I'm not a terrorist.
1: Did we know this when it was filming? I don't think so. No. All we knew is Shah Rukh Khan was somewhere. There was a crowd.
0: And when there was like a Bush impersonator. Yeah, there was a Bush impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: We're in the back, but I think at some point we realized, let's just inch a little bit closer.
0: Carpe diem. We just
1: came a little bit closer at a time. Do you remember the other extras
0: Yeah, I remember none of them knew who Shah Rukh Khan was. There's a few South Asian people that got in and they knew who he was. But I know a lot of other people. I think they were kind of amused by us because we were like freaking out. And they were just like, we have no idea who this guy is. (laughs) This is just like another day on the job.
1: (laughs) What if he was holding a poster with the star on it?
0: (laughs) I feel like it was probably an Om Shanti Om poster of him. That scene in the music video where he's like shirtless. I feel like that's what it was. But I don't know if I'm making that up in my head because it makes it better. (laughs) <laughs> Do any of you remember having a poster of that?
4: I don't remember, but it's very likely because that poster came with the DVD. Yep. Oh, that makes sense.
0: That's probably what it was.
4: <laughs> I remember some guy turned around and asked us if this guy was famous because we were just screaming. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <That's
1: right>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Do any of you guys have any memory of the exact moment when SRK did arrive on the set? No. But I don't know if it's because he came from behind. <laughs> is that
0: why? We're in the crowd, right? We still have to like tiptoe up to try to get... You know, imagine you're at a concert, right? And you're like in this huge crowd. You're not in the front. So it's like you're kind of looking over to see if you can get to the front. But I remember like a certain point where you realize Shah Rukh Khan is in the crowd and he's not only in the crowd. His whole scene is... Going from the back of the crowd and going through the people in order to get to the front, and we were positioned in a way where he was going to have to go through
1: us
4: <laughs> to get to the
0: front. Oh, we thought
1: so. I mean, like, what? What are the odds, right? Such a big crowd. Why, of all people, would he come by us?
4: I so, think we kind of inches so. closer to <laughs> what the commotion <laughs> was. No, yeah, no. By I the the point, close. we
3: realized. Yeah, we realized what we, what was going to be happening, and so because I I have a distinct memory of as he passed by during one of the the takes <laughs> that I touched him. Oh, I totally did too. I, to I his touched jacket his jacket. And, I, and yeah. I felt like I had seen the Holy Grail. And, and I was just, I turned around to you guys. And I just basically said, I touched him. I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> Witness,
1: yeah. I remember just thinking, everyone is so focused on the scene because these are professional extras. Like I remember the extras are t- saying things like, if I get close enough, they may give me a speaking line, and then basically they get insurance, right? Oh. Like They get to move up in the ranks of being an extra. So they were so focused on, like, trying to create banter so that maybe they can get their voice on, on screen. We, on the other hand, were completely focused on... Where is Shah Rukh Khan <laughs> I figured if he's going through the crowd, if I create a little bit of space between me and the person in front of me, I'm, like, perforating the crowd for him, so he'll just have to go through us.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I remember take after take... He was wearing a backpack...
0: Yeah, And a leather jacket. And I'm
1: like just touching his backpack. Every time he came by, He just, I just touched his backpack.
0: <laughs> we probably ruined so many shots.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> why, why are those four like smiling the whole time? Imagine like
0: him and Karan Johar looking through the takes and being like, oh, that's a good one. Oh my God, that Asian guy just touched his backpack. <laughs>
3: It's so funny, the more we talk about this, the more I realize how significant it was in terms of just pure, pure fandom and cinephilia. Uh, And how our agenda, as Brian mentioned, was completely on a different level from the other extras. And I think at a certain (laughs) point, the other extras were wondering, how do you guys know who this actor is? And why are you guys all freaking out so badly? Um, So I think our level of fandom, people started catching up on why we are really there.
1: It's like, if this was like 1963 and the Beatles were in the U.S., and we were in a Beatles crowd, and we were the only one who knew who the Beatles were. Yeah. It would be like that.
4: Yeah, the amount of screaming.
1: I remember, like, there were, there were the crew were wearing O S O shirts. It was Om Shanti Om crew. Oh really?
0: Huh.
1: I, 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 had a very, I have a very distinct memory of that. And do you remember, like, how much Rukh Khan smoked?
0: Oh my God! I know. I remember being worried about his smoking. I think he's quit since then. Okay. But then I also remember. And granted, it's not like we were close enough that we could hear any of the banter, but um, sort of watching Karan Johar and Shah Rukh Khan's interaction, and then whenever Shah Rukh Khan was done, he would go back, and we would sort of joke, like, I think Shah Rukh Khan's the one running the show. <laughs> right, we did say that. <laughs> but then I also remember like just how funny this whole thing was because the entire scene was a crowd screaming for President Bush, but we were there screaming for Shah Rukh Khan. <laughs>
1: And I feel like our own excitement probably, it fit the scene. Like, we were so thrilled, and the scene was supposed to be a bunch of people in the crowd really thrilled. <laughs> I was re-watching the scene this morning, and it begins with a voiceover, like um, someone in the PA saying, all right, the man you've been waiting for. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, it's not the president of the United, it's not George Bush, it's Taroukhan. Khan. <laughs> I remember um, he always had an umbrella. Like, he always had an assistant holding an umbrella over him.
0: Yeah, I remember that as well. And that's just like in Om Shanti Om, when there's always an umbrella (laughs) on top of Deepika.
1: At any point, did any of us make a joke about the fact that we were junior artists?
3: No, but that know. is that's that's really, uh, it's very fitting though, because we were kind of in the shoes of Shah Rukh Khan's character in Om Shanti Om. Just... Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's... we were really enacting our own kind of fantasy scene, right?
1: So it's fandom plus wanting to be him, you're saying.
3: <laughs> oh well, not, not, I wouldn't say I would not go that far.
1: <laughs> I would go that far.
3: <laughs> just to see him.
1: Just like in Om Shanti Om, he would be an extra trying to see. Shanti Priya oh that's wow. right I don't think I ever put that together this is so good and wow, another wow.
3: very fitting thing is if if I'm not mistaken with the underground screenings timeline we culminated it as Brian curated it with Om Shanti Om in, in the Belnitz building screening room and I think that was December 2008 um, oh, that makes and sense. so that really primed us to be that much more excited when we did hear that SRK was going to be UCLA it couldn't have been more fitting, just this timeline. It couldn't have been more better orchestrated.
1: Because Om Shantiom is about making a Bollywood movie. And then suddenly a few weeks later we were in the making of a Bollywood movie.
3: So right?
4: Wow. <laughs> no, sorry, I just remind you know the scene where Shao Khan was in the crowd like in Om Shantiom and then he's like his his bracelet or something get hooked onto Shanty oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, at the Sorry. Maybe that's what Brian was trying to do with the backpack. backpack.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it all
4: makes
1: sense
3: now. It does. Yeah, it all
4: makes sense. I think at some point, Brian, you need to
0: transition to... <laughs> like, why? Because <laughs> this was your idea, Brian. We could talk about so many things <laughs> regarding this film and Asian films about Asian America, but... You wanted to rehash this moment. Why?
1: Well, I, I just think, I feel like this moment needs to be on the record somehow anyways.
0: That's true. I do always want to tell people that I've touched Shah Rukh Khan's jacket and I don't <laughs> really know how to work it into conversation. <laughs> so um, this is very helpful. Um, yeah. But I think you did have some more scholarly aspirations. <laughs> well,
1: I, well, I, well, okay. So any, all right. So the day ends, we all go home. We all go back to our regular lives and we're waiting for this film to come out um, for many reasons obviously it's it's shahrukh khan it's also like the shahrukh khan plus kajol one of the great screen pairings in film history
0: yeah let's set up so like in this film there's sort of some weird legends around now, one it was like a it was Shah Rukh Khan and Kajal reuniting after a very long time. Like, she hadn't done films for a very long time or something. Or no, she had, she had come back, but she hadn't done another film with Shah Rukh Khan. So there was that. But then there was also sort of like this real-life incident where Shah Rukh Khan was detained at the Newark airport, which completely mirrored a scene in the film (laughs) where, like, his character is detained at the airport because he's suspected of terrorism, but it actually happened to Shah Rukh Khan, the actor. It happened close enough to the premiere that people actually thought it was a publicity stunt, and they had to address it and be like, why would we, like, collaborate with, like, Homeland Security (laughs) to create this publicity stunt? But, yeah, there was just a lot of, like, I feel like mythology surrounding... or, like, a lot of buzz surrounding yeah. the film in general. So we would have watched it anyway because I think at that point we were just watching every single Sharu Khan film. That was the played.
3: release date was a lead up to Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you guys recall that? Uh, yes. It's just a lead up to just love which is yeah, what our yeah. SRK stands for.
1: Because we didn't, from our perspective, we didn't realize that the movie was a love story. Like we couldn't tell. We just thought it was, like, he has Asperger's, it was kind of like Rain Man-like.
0: I mean, and, I'm sure we assumed
1: it though. I mean, yeah, I guess we had to I have known and his Cajol in it but when this whole like new thing happened i think it made sense to me that nobody in the airport would know him because we had just seen that like we were on a movie set and nobody knew who he was so yeah, certainly yeah. at the new York airport so maybe I'm, I'm curious like i mean rowena you study film what did it being on the set tell you about bollywood as an industry or as a decentralized production center
3: well i mean the first thing i'm thinking of is about the casting person just singling us out just because we were not South Asian. And that led me to the train of thought of the kind of conception of America, or maybe even more specifically Asian America that Bollywood films present that is very interesting and different from what Asian Americans conceive of America and Asian America.
1: Right, because I feel like if we were on a Hollywood set and they wanted the crowd to be more American, they would have looked at an Asian American and said, maybe you shouldn't go in. But somehow with a Bollywood film, in trying to be more American somehow like East Asians count for that. East Asian, Southeast Asian, yeah.
0: We talked about that in the first episode of the season two when we were looking at Kaho and Aho and they were trying to create an America and it was very diverse even though it was very stereotypically diverse. You know, Karan Johar went in with this idea of like America. It has everybody and it's this like place. Where everybody can live together, but not really, because we also think Muslims are terrorists.
3: Just by default, just because we are talking about non-resident Indians, their conceptualization and representation of Asian America has to be that much more on point compared to, say, Hollywood crowd scenes or or whatnot.
1: Yeah, and, and this movie has a really interesting notion of multiculturalism in the United States. Like, there's a whole segment of the film about, I think, Shah Rukh Khan's characters in the Deep South. And Katrina happens. Oh gosh, <laughs> it's kind of cringy, like all these like scenes in black churches. But it's like interesting, like this, this notion of South Asian and Black communities working together. I don't think you'd ever see that outside of like Mississippi Masala in an American film. So this this imagination, this Bollywood imagination of American multiculturalism, is creating new kinds of representations and new kinds of stories that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. Even I would say, even by an Asian American filmmaker, this. I think the Asian-American filmmaker would sort of cringe at the possibility of this, the way we might have cringed watching the film. (laughs) But in in the fantasy of Bollywood, like, why not? Like, all is love. Right. (laughs) What do we all remember watching the film for the first time? I didn't watch it with you because I was in Hong Kong. I was studying in Hong Kong and I was really hoping it would come out in theaters in Hong Kong, but it didn't. So I was relying on the three of you to watch it for me.
0: Oh, so I don't did we watch it together we must have watched
3: it together we watched I it together actually, remember we had like a big lunch or meal right before it it was a huge <gasps> group of us oh my gosh i totally remember it was this. in little was india in artesia
0: oh my, i remember this because i had just started dating alex who is my now husband and it was our first valentine's day and he had to work and i was like don't worry i totally don't care because i'm gathering like 10 of my friends to go watch my name <laughs> <laughs> I remember like two of his friends came with us who are Indian American and grew up with Bollywood and love Bollywood. And they looked at us like so confused. (laughs) And it was probably just us and our Asia Pacific arts friends that we had forced to watch all of these Shah Rukh Khan films. (laughs) Yeah. I remember it was like 10 or 12 of us, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. It was a big group. Yeah. I
0: mean, to be honest, like I remember the first half of the film was like amazing, because it was like everything we wanted with the reunion of Rukh Khan and Kajol. and then I feel like other parts of the film <laughs> probably were like not as good, but it didn't matter because we were just waiting for a scene, <laughs> you know. And then I remember just how excited once you saw that he was gonna go to the George Bush rally because it was just like, oh my God, that's our scene, that's our last scene. And then I totally remember like seeing Brian's face flash across the screen for like a second and us just like freaking out
3: yeah I think that was like a major highlight of, of watching that film <laughs> I know right because it was just I mean no one none of us expected seeing Brian right uh, or any one of us uh, but I mean you were you were there for a good second
0: yeah and it was like your entire face it was like a close-up of your face for that second and you were looked so happy <laughs> <laughs> and we were so happy for you yeah
1: it- it wasn't a close-up it wasn't i was in the corner of the frame
0: i mean now now we have like photographic evidence of what it actually was but i feel like in our heightened memory <laughs> it was like basically like we won
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I i remember being in hong kong and then none of you would tell me if i if if any of us were in it <laughs> oh really yeah oh my gosh you were all we like kept like, you it a secret it. From, oh yeah remember.
0: That makes sense. And then
1: so I remember going to Chungking Mansions in, in Hong Kong. and Oh, wow. And I found awesome. a bootleg of it.
0: Oh, you had to watch it. Bootleg. Oh,
1: my gosh. So I watched. Well, I didn't want to watch it because I knew I was going to come back to the U.S. like in a month and get to see it on the big screen. I wanted my experience to be a big screen experience, but I could not wait to see if we were in the film. <laughs> So I just skimmed to what a, a scene that looked like it was shot at UCLA and was the George Bush you scene. You just fast forwarded? And yeah, so I just, I just watched that scene and I didn't <sighs> see any of us in it. Oh. Because, <laughs> um, so this film is shot in cinemascope, which is like the extra wide, like 2.35 aspect ratio. But the bootleg oh, was shot bootleg by somebody didn't have who it? was shooting on like a 16.9 camera. So everything on the sides was cut off, including my face. No way. So I still had no idea if any of us were in it.
0: Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! And then, so the next month,
1: I, when I get when I came back to the U.S., I actually went with my mom. It was just me and my mom <laughs> in the theater in our. <laughs> Did your mom know you could be in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told her about it.
0: <laughs> Had your mom seen Bollywood film before?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I always show my mom okay. Bollywood films all the time. She was very okay, familiar okay. with Shah Rukh Khan. And then I remember, yeah, my my face flashed on the screen for like one second, and then me and my mom kind of gave each other a an knowing laugh, and then we went. Back to the
2: movie. <laughs> that was it. That's so funny.
1: But I do remember, if like cringing a little bit, just like his performance of Asperger's is so. um I mean, it is very sincere, but it's also a little kind of mannered in a way that's sometimes hard to watch. And then just not knowing what to do <laughs> with the like Black America element. But I, I think the difference between this and a Kaho Naho, the cringiness of Kaho Naho, is that Kaho Naho seems to be obviously made for Indian people, whereas this is that period in Bollywood history where Bollywood is really trying to cross over into non Indian audiences. And what were some of the other films around that time? Like Kites, I think, it was around then. Oh, yeah, Kites. Chani Chalk to China was around then. And so this like gesture towards inclusivity with the black community was, it felt forced. It was strange. But it was also strange just in the sense that we've been talking about all season, is which is, like, Asia imagines America in a way that it seems like a distortion, but it's it's also a fantasy that you can learn to love or not.
3: Yeah, that was one of my takeaways after watching My Name is Khan, um, in the sense that this film could never have been made otherwise, um, and without Shah Rukh Khan.
1: How do you all see this film as an Asian-American film or not? Because we were covering Asian-American cinema and Asian cinema at this time, and then suddenly this arrives as this sort of hybrid thing. This was literally hitting home because it was on our campus.
0: I mean, I don't see it as an Asian American cinema at all. We sort of talk about it all the time, like what makes something Asian America? Is it who makes it? Is it who's on screen? Who is it? Is it what it's about? And then I feel like to me, this is such like a Shah Rukh Khan film. (laughs) It doesn't feel like an Asian American film at all to me because an Asian American would have never made something like this, I think. It seems like it would take an outsider to tackle how South Asians are treated in America and then put this sort of, like, rose-colored filter all over it. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like if you were in America and you were tackling this subject, it would be harder to make it be like, but love will conquer all. I don't know.
1: So definitely on the level of, like, authorship and authenticity, we can question whether this is an Asian-American film or not. But it was, like, a rare film at the time that was dealing with kind of the politics of Asian America, this question of Islamophobia, which intersects between, like, the Indian-American community, but also what's happening in India. Of course, that is also really strange because of Islamophobia in India. The beginning of the film alludes to the Hindu-Muslim riots. There were these kind of clashes all throughout the 90s, even in, um, in the 2000s. So this would be on the minds of people in India. As well as the fact that Shah Rukh Khan himself is Muslim. is, is like, very well-known... And yet, somehow, has not become a problem for his stardom in India, a place that has this kind of fervent Hindu nationalism, especially today with the kind of legislation that's being proposed. And so, it's, this film kind of stands out as I don't think this could be made today.
3: Is Shah Rukh Khan's character defined as Indian American?
1: Yeah, he would be a non resident in Indian. In fact, I think his brother in the film. Moved to the U.S. a little bit earlier than him, so he's coming to live with his brother in San Francisco.
3: Oh, late in life. Okay.
1: Yeah. And then Kajal's character, I don't remember how long Kajal's character had been in the U.S. I just don't think that's part of the vocabulary of Bollywood, that a character is, like, grew up in the United States. They're still, first and foremost, Indian.
0: I think looking at it now, I think there is something to be said about how it was a way for them to talk about these issues, but then said it in America— so that they could sort of say, this is something that's happening in abroad, but not have to say that this might be a problem that's also happening at home.
1: Yeah, it's different to do a film about internal Islamophobia in India, which would have to question the Hindu nationalism. Yeah. Whereas if you have this sort of Islamophobia in the United States, it becomes America's problem. And then what's at stake is not just kind of Muslim identity. What's at stake is also Indian identity as symbolized through Shah Rukh Khan. An Indian audience would see him as both a Muslim character, but also the pride of India. So attacking Islamophobia is their way of protecting India, which is not a way that they could do quite as easily if this was a film that was set in India about Islamophobia there.
0: Yeah, because I think this is a part I'm a little bit nervous about talking about because I don't really obviously understand it in depth. But there's something about seeing like the reaction to the new citizenship bill and the protests and stuff. And I was reading about how one of the directors had called out Shah Rukh Khan and all the other cons, you know, I mean, all the other big Muslim Bollywood stars for not speaking out about it. And I guess it sort of makes me think like, what are the limits of this Bollywood stardom? Because I think in some ways, like Shah Rukh Khan and American, all of these Muslim superstars, they do create this like fantasy of unity, you know, Indian unity and, and just sort of like happiness and love. And, you know, even Shah Rukh Khan himself, you know, like being Muslim, married to a Hindu, and they're, fantastic love story right and how like <laughs> and that happens a lot even though like Hrithik Roshan and his wife divorced but like for a long time that was also kind of a fantasy of their relationship it was a Muslim and Hindu they met when they were childhood friends and then they lived happily ever after you know and it's kind of interesting because in some ways I would even say for me I can like speak personally to me but just sort of like there is a power of pop culture right I would say like my perception of Muslims is completely (laughs) influenced by Bollywood you know because you don't see that many portrayals in Hollywood and there's something about like if the only like portrayals of Muslims you see are like the biggest stars in Bollywood like that has to have an impact on you you know and hopefully in a good way but then you sort of realize like what are the limits of that, you know? I guess you can use that to make a film in 2010 about America and Islamophobia and make this grand statement that way, but then what happens when this starts happening in India and the politics of it, like, because I think they're all pretty friendly with President Modi, right? They are. They probably have to be. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't have an answer or anything like that. But it sort of goes back to like this season is about Asian films about Asian America and part of it is like maybe there's a way to talk about a big issue that would be easier if you said it abroad.
1: They're expressions of the local politics of the home country in India.
2: I knew that (laughs) <laughs> God, God, no!
0: After watching a season of Asian films about Asian America, what kind of impressions have you had? Because I think for me it's been kind of fun because all of our other seasons have been about Asian American films that we have seen over the years covering Asian American films. And even though we love them, there's a certain limit to them because they're not big blockbusters. <laughs> you know, there's not like huge money and star power being devoted to them by nature. But in this season, we were watching some of like the biggest Asian films and just sort of
1: looking at it through a different lens. Our fandom for these films are a little bit. I mean, like, it's good to have Wing hey here. I mean, Wing hey like, literally picked her English name based on a character from Gen X Cops. Right? Oh
4: yeah, that's
0: right. It's more that you like Stephen Fung, right?
4: Because <laughs> I like him as a uh, 14 years old or something. And he has this gorgeous girlfriend who speaks English. Um, and also very tall and have long legs. And so I swear I aspired to be. And I named myself after
1: her there you go i mean like who's naming themselves after justin Lin movies right like it's well, maybe some maybe people are now but like yeah in this season we got to talk about Shah Rukh khan and chai fat and daniel Henney, leia salonga so it's, it's it's sort of a different caliber of asian american representation that is in some ways kind of twisted like maybe we shouldn't be these kind of stars but i i, I like the the weird mirror distorted mirror that is how asian cinema does asian america including things like a love diaz movie
0: Yeah, I like expanding it that way and sort of thinking it's not just Asian America that makes movies about Asian America. And it's not just America that makes movies about Asian America. How do people in the motherland see us?
1: Especially with the need to become international, like this desire to see oneself as international, whether it's India or China or Korea, whatever it is, like how do they see their place in the world? So often Asian Americans become proxies for that.
0: Yeah, because I think if you just watch, if you form your identity around Asian-American films and also Hollywood films that depict Asian-America, there's, you know, that's, you understand why people feel like outsiders and they feel like they have no place and they have no identity. But then once you start watching Asian films about Asian-America, you realize, like, they want you, you know? (laughs) Like, they're like, you are still us, you know? And I think, you know, you could look at it one way, like, no, we're different, like, we're not like you. But you could also look at it the other way where it's like, yeah, we are you know yeah. it, it makes you feel good they still think of us there's
1: more beyond just like the trauma of being an exile or something like that okay well the question now is what's what are we doing next season i guess we will figure that out and announce that in the future so thank you again wing hey and rowena for speaking with us today and for reliving this important incident in our lives and uh and in, in doing so reliving one of like, a really significant moment in Asian potentially Asian American film history and then realizing that this is also kind of what brought us all together back then and now brings us together to now so thank you
0: thank you wing hey Rowena yeah when nice come back
4: too. yeah thank you for having
2: us
4: <laughs>
0: Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck, a collective of podcasts that feature stories and voices from the Asian-American community. It's produced by me and Brian. Our logo is by Grace Talis Lee. Our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky Music and Premium Beat. Check out our website at saturdayschoolpodcast.com or you can tweet us. I'm at Ada Singh, A D A T S E N G. Brian's at Who's Brian, H U S B R I A N. And the podcast Twitter handle is WakeUpSatSchool. Class dismissed.